Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Thursday, January 13th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is not really looking forward to playing the Bruins. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, the Bruins, but it's always fun. That is true. Remember when Marshawn missed the uh, the penalty shot altogether? I was there. Greatest that was moment in Flyers Bruins history after the uh, comeback in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers to keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about the latest Flyers news, COVID updates, and also give a preview of tonight's matchup against those Boston Bruins. We will also be getting into what's going on in the KHL and their decision to go on a pause and how that affects the Olympics. Uh, We thought we would be bringing you our interview with Sam Carcitti today with scheduling, stuff happens, and we will hopefully be bringing that to you at a later date. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. All right, Russ, so we only had good news on the COVID front yesterday, which I think feels pretty good. We got Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, and Justin Braun back on the ice at practice. That's a big deal. It really is. And it kind of makes the line start to resemble something a little bit normal and the defensive pairings a little bit back to where they've been, although with a twist, which we're going to talk about. So let's start off with the forward lines. So we have our Farabee, Jeru, Atkinson line. Great. Uh, JVR is with Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, again, a line to be expected. Here's where things got, I thought, a little interesting, where – Jackson Cates was placed on the third line, centered by Scott Lawton with Oscar Lindblom. And then Max Wilman was on the fourth line with McEwen, but centered by Morgan Frost. And I am a little concerned about that. I understand it to some degree because of what you're looking at down the middle. But when Connor Bunneman is one of your extras and who can play center at a fourth line level, like why mm-hmm. don't you move Lawton over to wing and Frost up to 3C? Yeah, I mean, that's that's entirely doable. Or just, you know what? Put Frost 3C, put Cates 4C. I just mm-hmm. don't know. I, I get that you feel like you could get more production out of Frost, but you haven't. But are you really going to get more, more production on this fourth line that doesn't score anything? Like it's, I'm going to say it this way in the best possible way, but I've seen it happen too many times. When there's some talented guys that get thrown on the fourth line that are used to playing with high skill guys, sometimes they pass the puck and never get it back. 
uh, you're not wrong. And I just think this is counterproductive for Morgan Frost in general. And I just don't understand what Jackson Cates has done to put himself on the third line in this scenario, given everything, and especially given how important tonight's game is against Boston. I, I just... There's very little room for error here, and you know I'm very happy to be proven wrong. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. I here, like but... Jackson Cates, maybe because he's from Minnesota Duluth, just maybe. Yeah, I mean I like him too. I just don't know what he's done versus what Morgan Frost has done to deserve the extra minutes. Yeah, I, and if you were gonna be the picky about it and say, "Hey, Russ, he's won some you know good faceoff battles," he has. But he's not even playing center. Now, he'll still take some face-offs, but you don't even have him as the center. So, like, I can't even go there. 100% agree. Now, let's look at the defensive pairings where we have Provi back with Sanheim, which makes sense, I think. Then what they're calling, I think, a second pairing is Cam York with Braun, which, mm-hmm. okay. Then the third pairing, which is Yandel and Sealer. The extras from Taxi Squad are Agar Zamula and and Kevin Connaughton, I guess, is in the main roster, but he they were considered an extra pairing. And to me, that's your third pairing. Yeah. Yeah, I would that would make me feel better, actually, because I would have more speed, I would have more athleticism. I mean, again, no offense to Keith Yandel. I know every once in a while he throws an elbow, but he's missing on too many opportunities on the power play. He's losing the puck too much. And the energy just seems low on him. And I also think that whatever you might be worried about in terms of putting Igor Zamula in there, that's why Connaughton, I think, is a good partner for him. That I think the two of them would complement each other really well in the limited minutes that they would get as a third pairing. Whereas I think a Yandel Sealer pairing could actively cause harm. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to even just like I'm holding the timeout thing here because it's like, like my brain starts to kick in a lot of times when we start going round and round with the lines, kind of figuring how I piece it in. When did Nick Sealer move ahead of Kevin Connaughton anyway? Mm-hmm. That is an excellent question, my friend. <laughs> I don't know when that happened. Yeah, I I don't know either. It's very frustrating. And, you know, we're obviously big Igor Zamula supporters on the show. Yes. Not going to hide that at all. But just from a logical standpoint, again, with a third pairing who gets limited minutes, to me, Zamula Connaughton makes a ton more sense here. Yep. All right, let's turn our attention to the Boston Bruins, our opponent for this evening. They are 5-1-1 one, one since the holidays. They're sitting in that second wild card spot. Uh, they will be on the second half of a back-to-back. They played last night in Montreal. As of recording, we don't know the outcome of that game or you know any- anything that came of it. But before that, they won against Washington and Tampa, both pretty handily. Right before that, they did lose to the Minnesota Wild. But in that last game 
against Washington. They came back from a two-goal deficit and capitalized on the power play twice in the same run where they had a five-on-three and a five-on-four, which is what you're supposed to do when you get those kinds of chances. You're supposed to bury those chances. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. The big news, though, is the return of Tuka Rask, who we will likely see in net because uh, Linus Olmark uh, played against Montreal in that they um, wound up sending Jeremy Swayman down. You know, Tuka's used to playing against the Flyers. Actually, he pretty sure he beat the Flyers the, the last game that right before the um, pandemic hit hard and the media couldn't be in front of players anymore. We were kind of like in the hallway and Tuka Rask came and interviewed and I was with a bunch of the Boston guys. Now the players were 10 feet safely away but the reporters were all like inches away from the podium so we were all kind of crammed in there it wasn't ideal but my basic point is rask is used to this and so i don't other than just basic rust i don't expect to see like a tuka rask that's you know going to give the flyers any kind of an edge marshawn played great against the Capitals, and when he's flowing the right way and being a giant jerk, um, that's always problematic. So there's that. And Matt Grizzlick, I think he had like five points that game. But even if he didn't, I know he's picked it up on the power play, and just the power play in general has picked it up. So this is a, this is a formidable opponent here where you need to get a point. Some way, somehow, you can't come away with, you know, an empty uh, basket. It's true. And right now, uh, Nick Foligno is hurt and Trent Frederick is out. And you, you, you look at their lineup and you're like, yeah, that's still pretty great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Felino hasn't played much this year, so I can't it's say that, that that's like a big loss. Um, Frederick's a loss because he is a very physical player who's got really good hands around the net. And as you've seen, he, he could really slam some guys into the boards too. So it's, it's good that he's out, but yeah, Felino, they've learned how to play without him, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the big reasons for their run of success over the past several games is their second line with Taylor Hall has been a tremendous play driver for them. He's really good in transition and being on a line with Pasternak and Eric Halla um, has just been a, a really big boost for them recently. Yeah, Taylor Hall seems to be getting hot. Um, early this year, I was kind of like, if he's going to keep rolling at a half a point a game, Boston fans are going to be like, why the hell do we get sign this guy, you know, re-sign him? But now you are seeing why. Because they did need secondary scoring. You can't put it all on guys like Charlie Coyle. And so Taylor Hall, again, when he's on the second line, that creates a huge matchup problem for the opposing team because of the speed and strength. He still possesses the puck a lot. Well, and that's the thing, right? Because you still have that perfection line with Bergeron and Marshawn and Smith. Yes. And now you have this second line, which almost rivals that. Like it's, It creates such a headache for trying to figure out your matchups and who you're going to put out there. And, you know, we talked about the Flyers' top two lines. And I'm like, okay, like the Giroux line 
I think is is going to be able to hold its own. But you know, Kevin Hayes and James Van Riemsdyk having to go up against a line like that. I mean, you you almost think they're going to put out the Lawton line against the second line if yeah. they can do that. I think that's really their only option at this point. And maybe that's a justification for putting Jackson Cates on on that line if that's the matchup that they're looking for. But yeesh, is it going to be a tall order? And you're asking York now to play 20, 21 minutes in an NHL game. I mean, yeah, he's mm-hmm. a well-conditioned athlete. Don't get me wrong. But it's still going to be hard minutes for him. Yeah, it will. And, you know, this is where I think, you know, some of the kids that we've been talking about, like Cam York and Morgan Frost, are going to have to prove that they can play against these top teams and find some success in there. Because, you know, that's the reason why they would stick in the lineup. Yeah, no, no question about it. It is a proving ground. Is there anyone else on the Bruins that we should be keeping an eye out on? No, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on like with Jake DeBrusque. I mean, assuming he's not on the COVID list, he's probably going to get traded. You would think he would still want to put up as many points as he can. And, you know, again, he, in the last year or so, he's definitely taken a step back. But at the end of the day, for the Flyers' purposes, he still has a heck of a shot. And he can score on you. So he is another one of those guys you do have to watch out for if he's in the lineup. Yep. I uh, am very nervous about And did we mention Pasternak? He he scores a goal every time he plays the Flyers. Well, that's true. Yeah. He is part of that second line that I talked about. You know, it just goes without saying, I think, that he's going to be trouble. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he does. Every, I mean, he's had two goal games against the Flyers. He may have had a hat trick against them. But he's always good for a goal against them. And McAvoy, Charlie McAvoy, we should mention, because he is always a guy that causes problems, too, it seems, for Philly. Because uh, with the way he transports the puck, the smart way he plays, uh, he's really good on the power play, like with his passing and his shot. And so he is another one that is problematic, too. He's the the lead driver on the power play, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is a really good point. All right, well let's uh, let's see what the Flyers can do against these Bruins tonight. I think, in some ways, it does feel like a reset, missing just that one game against Carolina, just to mm-hmm. give them a little bit of breathing room. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a really good opportunity here. They know what's at stake, and you know the the discourse is high, and they'll be looking to you know tamper some of that. I think. If I were them, I I would. <laughs> and, yeah, actually, so DeBrusque is practicing, so I guess we'll expect to see him in the lineup. Okay. Well. There you go. All right, Russ. So there's a bit of COVID drama happening in the KHL. We don't normally talk about it on this show, but the issue is so vast, and there are some effects that you know trickle around to stuff that we do talk about. So I did want to cover it on the show, but. Big picture, what's going on here, Russ? Well, first thing is there's there's no games next week. They they put the league on pause. Uh, whether they come back the week after, we don't know yet. I did see Slava Malamud said indefinitely. He could be right. It could be just a week. Like, nobody really knows. So you have that. Uh, 124 players were in protocol. 171 people with personnel included. And again, that's where you get 
you know, a little nervous because they're not super athletes and you hope that it's not too bad there. Other interesting things that have gone on. So Salavat uh, had a couple positive tests at first, and then I guess they got a few more and eventually were awarded with a loss. And I guess they were not happy about that. So they, they got a loss for that. There are teams in quarantine. There's definitely going to be teams that will be added, even with the, the week stoppage. Um, there were teams that weren't completely honest about their um, tests. Like, you know, Siska had at least five positive tests, and they didn't say it right away. So the team denied the information, and then, you know, they said it happened suddenly, and that's a little bit of an issue. Um, there's this a thought a little like a, a Novak Djokovic shenanigans situation. It's a lot like that because also what was told to me was um, supposedly guys have the antibodies, but again, the antibodies against this virus, they don't necessarily last as long as you think they're going to last or work against different variants or work. Yes. Or work against different variants. Um, Morozov, who, you know, runs the league. He's taking some heat. You never know if he's going to be out after this. I fully expect one day Alex Ovechkin will be running that league, by the way. I just don't know what year it'll be. Pick a year. Um, but I do think someday that's that's where yeah. he's going to be. That's where he's going to be headed. Um, just like players here, no real big sicknesses. Mostly asymptomatic. Just a lot of positives. But they did... There's there's two schools here. A lot of teams wanted to take a break before the Olympics for obvious reasons. But then the other there were other teams that weren't that affected that want to keep playing because they know they can get points in the standings because their season's, you know, most it's close to being over. You know, it ends earlier than the NHL. So that's a whole thing too, if you think about it. Yeah, you know, if you're just trying to rack up points against depleted teams when your team happens to be okay at the moment. I mean, that's similar to what's happening in the NHL, I think, to mm -hmm. some degree. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that I took out of this is uh, there are some teams that don't test every day. Yeah, so what is the testing and you know, quarantine policy over there. I do know that the vaccine set that they have is different in Russia than it, it is. is here. I don't know exactly what it is, but I could tell you they don't have the same coordination with teams that and the NHL like they have it. It's not. Because again, if you still have some teams that aren't testing every day or at least weren't before this, that's that's problematic. You know, you do wonder, are they going to be able to get this under control and get their season back? I think they will, but the Olympics are clearly the most important thing at the moment. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new year betting as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code locked on to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Yeah, so about the Olympics, I know that the KHL is a huge source of players from a lot of the European teams. And then with the NHL players not participating, they're going to fill out you know, some rosters from other Mm -hmm. countries as well could have some on the Canadian team or the American team for that matter. Yeah. Well, what'll happen is if guys are in protocol, they'll probably have to test out negative a couple times before they could even get on a plane uh, and go to the Olympics. I think really that's the way it's going to work out because we know there's an Olympic standard that's a little higher, but they're not even going to take them in the country. Uh, a lot of things are shut down over there right now. So that's a whole other situation, too. They're trying to, like, clean it up before the Olympics start. But, you know, as we know, just shutting it down doesn't necessarily accomplish that. Yeah, and there was an interesting article that came out. I apologize, I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but I'll see if I can find it, put the link in the show notes about what the China system is. And, you know, there are uh, KHL teams in China, right? And so I'm wondering how that overlap will work. Yeah, so I don't know. There's there's some weird videos I'm looking at right now with Beijing and how they're sort of trying to handle um, COVID and you know there's citizens are like saying things on social media they're not happy about it they don't seem to like the way it's being handled there so i think it's going to be a tough go here i mean i i do expect the olympics to happen but i do think the problem with all of this is going to be and this is for any country what is going to happen if they test positive there are they really going to have to spend five weeks there? Like if Owen Power goes there for Canada, is he really going to have to spend five weeks there on quarantine if he were to test positive? And if he did, what would that do to his college, the rest of his college season? Yeah, there's a lot of giant question marks here. And that, you know, my understanding based on what I've read is that they're kind of, they had used sort of a Delta playbook in order to create their policies, but Omicron is obviously a lot different and they haven't adjusted well enough. And so I feel like what the KHL doing is doing right now may turn out to be a good thing, but and, and they're forced into it just because of a lack of personnel overall. But in terms of how it'll affect the Olympics, you know, I, I can only hope that it does what it needs to in terms of, you know, sort of clearing the deck, so to speak, to make it possible for some of these people to go. I mean, right now they have um, tracking across, they're tracking four outbreaks, is compliments of Newsweek, four major outbreaks across the country there in Beijing and in different areas. So 14 million residents are on indefinite lockdown. Think about that for a minute. Then there's a place 80 miles, Tianjin, 80 miles southeast of the Chinese capital was put under partial lockdown over the spread of Omicron, uh, which is thought to be many times more transmissible, as we know. Yep. So, so there's that. 
So they, it's going to be tough. It is going to be really tough. I'm sure players will come in there. But again, for the KHL's purposes, all right, I don't know how best to say this without being um, diplomatically uh, (laughs) looked at in a weird way. But don't you get the feeling, Rachel, that if guys were to get it, COVID there, that they could take a jet out quicker to Russia than they would be able to get back to the States? Don't you feel like that would be the case? You would think, but again, you know, not our area of expertise. That's for no, sure. No, it, it's out of it's out of it for me. But I'm just telling you my gut feeling on that one. And you know, all this is fascinating. If you think about this, just from hockey and Olympic perspective, like we are living through times that we never ever thought we would do. Like you know, again, I made a joke one day because I said my mother probably wanted me to be a doctor, but she never mentioned being an epidemiologist. Like, that's the Uh most important position now on Earth. Could be. All right. Well, today they're supposed to be announcing the U.S. men's Olympic team. We'll see if anybody from the KHL is on that. Oh, can I mention one thing about that? Mm Mm-hmm. No Bobby Ryan. I'm so upset for him. Like, (laughs) I just, it's like, I understand you want to go young or whatever. Bobby Ryan could still skate. Like, I just don't know why you wouldn't want him there. He he's a very good veteran to have. He's played before. He's done a lot of international competition. I was surprised. Yeah, it's it's an interesting choice, but we'll we'll see what the list turns out to be uh, later today. All right, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Um, we talked about on yesterday's show Claude Giroux's birthday. Uh, we want to continue celebrating that, although it is Ivan Provorov's birthday today, so we should acknowledge that as mm-hmm. well. But Ryan Giroux put a lovely post up on Instagram to celebrate Claude. And um, my favorite part of it, though, is Cam Atkinson commenting, yes. I'll, I'll take extra special care of him today. Which I'm not sure is entirely <laughs> true, by the it's- way. It's the wink, though. Yeah, it's yeah. It's the wink emoji that you're like, what are you talking about here, Cam? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Cam, Cam's a, a live wire. That's why I like him. He is. Jeru uh, was apparently sort of pressured to go to the center of the stretching circle mm. on, the, on the rink and was reluctant. I get it. Like Capricorn energy. I share it. It's very much, you know model behavior but not wanting to be the center of attention per se very organized very driven but not wanting to be noticed for it i think i didn't i didn't realize we did horoscopes yeah i didn't realize we did horoscopes (laughs) so i i get it claude but uh you know just just go in the center have your day all right that'll do it for today's show we will be back again tomorrow with a recap of tonight's game we're going to get into the rangers matchup for the weekend and we will have our gritty thing of the week as a reminder we always want to hear from you send us in mailbag questions via twitter at lockdown flyers you can always email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com i'm rachel i'm on twitter at r miriam that's r m i r i a m I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.
Now you made us your first listen. Make your second listen Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your sports gambling needs. And it's hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insights from Lee Sterling.